Well, I love this time of year. I think it's a great opportunity. You go into stores and they're, they're playing Christmas music and some of it is, you know, about Santa Claus and reindeer and this, that, and the other thing, but it's still fun, it's happy. But then some of it is really, really good and true to the gospel. And, and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, rather than having an attitude of bah humbug that it's so commercialized and all of this, sure it is. But, but here's a great opportunity for us to take advantage of this season in the sense of, of we should be happy 24-7. We should be celebrating the birth of Jesus throughout the year. I want to talk to you today about your best Christmas ever. But I'm wondering, do we have any more uh, of the bulletins with the inserts? Do we have any more? Because I'm, I'm, I want you today to have one of the, Pastor Jim mentioned it earlier, make sure that you take out uh, one of those. Okay, can I take yours? Mitch, do you have one? You just got one. See, this guy is normally cracking the whip on me. Do you, do you have a pen? You're about ready to get a pen. And uh, different than most, you're going to be tested afterwards. <laughs> it's get even time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's fun. But do we have any more? If you do not have uh, one of the bulletin inserts to, uh, to follow along in the sermon, just lift your hand up and ushers just until you, they're going to run out. But go ahead and pass those out to the people who have their hands up. What makes the holiday season so stressful? That's my first question. What makes the holiday season so stressful? Because a lot of people, when they think about holiday time, they're not thinking about jingle bells and snowmen and Santa Claus. They're thinking about stress. They're, they're, and it can be an incredibly stressful time of year. And it steals away all of the joy of the season. And, and, and I, want, I want us to look at that. And in your, in your outline, I, I want you to actually fill out a few things. Here's a few things I came up with. Number one on my list, what is stressful about the season? Number one on my list was shopping. Shopping. I, I don't like to shop much. But really, from the time that Christmas shopping starts, Starts, I don't want to be near a store. People are crazy. Okay? They're not paying attention to the silent night being sung in the background, okay? It can be stressful shopping. I'm thankful that my wife, over the years, she's been the shopper. And she, she's told me more than once, and, and she's probably watching online right now, but she's told me more than once, honey, I must be getting old. I just don't enjoy shopping anymore. I tell her, honey, you're getting wise. <laughs> and today, so many of us, we do a lot of our shopping online, but shopping is one thing I thought of, decorating. You know, when my wife says, hey, you know, and this year it was like on Thanksgiving, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna set the tree up and decorate. I go, oh, wow. You mean like today? How about tomorrow? I fall into a serious spirit of procrastination. My wife would like to decorate outside. I, I would like to. In theory, I would like to. I think it would look nice, but I don't. But, you know, I, I, this is true. We have this, like, the storage room where, like, everything is in at the back of our house. I, I go into there, and I'm thinking, who is the knucklehead that put away last year's Christmas stuff? Didn't they know that it would have to get back out? Why is it stuck back there and over there and back there? Then I realized, I'm the knucklehead. My wife didn't put this away. She couldn't. My son didn't. My daughter didn't. My neighbor didn't. I did. And I'm thinking, anyways, I'm feeling the stress as I'm talking about it. Traffic. 
traffic. Now, fortunately, our daughter and son-in-law lived in Orange County, California, so once you've driven in Orange County, California, listen, Boardman, Ohio does not have traffic jams. But for our area, this time of the year is stressful because of traffic. There's all kinds of things that bring, bring stress. What about being with family at Christmas time? Not, not the family with you today. Not the, not, not the fam, not, not, no, 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 not the co-workers. Those other people. No, seriously. Sometimes it's the elephant in the room. You're, you're, you're supposed to be one big Hallmark movie. I, I, I'm just curious. How many of you watch Hallmark movies this time of the year? Okay. I'm glad some of the guys have their hand up. I enjoy watching with my wife, I'm a real man, Hallmark movies at Christmas time. You say they're so predictable. I know. But I can predict there will be no cussing, no nudity, and somebody's going to fall in love. in this messed up crazy world by the way next week there's nobody doing the news they've all lost their jobs <laughs> it's a crazy world I'm, I'm glad that this stuff is surfacing because wrong is wrong and sin is sin and taking advantage of other people because of your position is just wrong Hmm. Finances can be stressful. I'm not giving you things to write in. You write in your own things. But, I, you know, I remember especially when the kids were young and, you know, we're not making much money and, and you know, you want to get your kids stuff. And, man, the finances were tight and tough. As a guy, can I tell you, and it would be true of some women as well, but I remember the stress of having to put together toys on Christmas Eve. Man, you feel really bad sitting near a Christmas tree, putting together a gift that you bought your child because you love them, and you feel like cussing. <laughs> I'm not saying I did, but man, I wanted to. Who in the world did these instructions? Stress. Stress, it, it comes with the holidays. You, you gotta be, you, you, you know, you, you go to office parties and you, you're, you gotta be nice and friendly with people you don't really know. And, and sometimes, you know, there are issues, busyness. Man, this time of the year is busy for most of us. You know, it's, 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 it's just like every day seems to be some kind of responsibility that you've got to do, but it could be stressful. It, it, you know, putting on weight. You know, one thing I learned from, from working out is that in the gym, you try to develop muscle, but you don't lose weight there. You lose weight in the kitchen. That's not fair. I'm, I'm just letting you know that, you know, it, it's like everything that tastes good is bad for you. I don't understand that. I, well, maybe not, maybe not necessarily true, but I, I really like Handel's ice cream. A lot. I want you to watch your screen for a moment because when you think about stress... Here are some of the things that happen. Listen. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a dry brown Christmas tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two missing parts and a dry brown Christmas tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three flying babies too. 
Especially when they threw the scale out the window. That's like, give you permission to do that until your New Year's resolution. You know, but there's not only stressful times, but there's favorite Christmas memories. I, I, I put a word out to, to some people, and, and Lisa and John, you had responded that one of your favorite Christmas memories was that the first year you were married or you were living in Florida and so you told everybody up here in Ohio that you could not come home for Christmas okay and then you did you surprised them and that that was a special memory and and that still sticks with you and other people sent me different memories and I it's one of my favorite things if if we have people in our home around the holidays I love to sit with them and say tell me your favorite Christmas story. I remember a gentleman, he's with the Lord now, his name was Jess, and his favorite Christmas memory, his family was really poor, and one year when he was a little kid, he got, he got mittens for Christmas. And that was his favorite Christmas memory of how much that meant. I know the home that I grew up in, my, my 
my mom and dad made Christmas so special. They're both with Jesus now, but my dad loved to decorate with that, that, blow, that, that spray on snow. There wasn't a window in the Thomas house that didn't have sprayed on snow. He loved to do it. I still remember the Christmas tree. I, I, I remember one time we had, we had an artificial Christmas tree that was like aluminum and foil Christmas tree. And then there was a light that you sat in front of it and you like hallucinated. Some, anybody remember those trees? It was like, what were we thinking? You know, it's just like, you know. <laughs> I remember we, we had six kids and, and there was not a lot of money, but mom would go down to Sharon, Pennsylvania to Murphy's and she would buy special candy that we only got at Christmas time. And when you woke up on, on Christmas morning, there, was, there were little plates of, of wonderful chocolates and different, different things that just as a little boy, and, and I, re, I remember that, that my, one of my favorite memories was I was about four or five years old. We lived on Brookfield Avenue in Majory. We lived in a house that had, there were six of us, and I think there was two bedrooms, although my sisters will argue and say there was only one. There was an outhouse. There was no inside running water at all in this house. As a little kid, I didn't know anything about that. That, that wasn't the deal. But I remember I was in bed with my mom. I was a little four or five-year-old kid, and I heard Santa Claus. Now, it was Dad up in the attic getting down the Lionel train, but... My dad made it so that it was the reindeer's hoofs. He ran around the house saying, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> now, that, that meant a lot to me. But can I also tell you that there are those of you in this room that you have your special memories, but some of your memories are difficult in your outline. Number three. We tend to make the holidays complicated. Fill in word there is complicated. Which produces stress. Whereas our memories are normally filled with simplicity. So we tend to make the holidays complicated. A lot of parents get stressed out that you got to get this certain thing for your kids. We've all done it because we love our kids and we want... There, there's nothing like Christmas when your kids are young. It's just, it's magical. It's so special. And the reality is, as moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas, we're doing all of that. Yes, it's for the kids, but come on, let's be honest. It's for us. It makes us feel so special. But, but parents get stressed out. We've got to get this for them, and then we got to make sure it's all even. My wife's really into that. <laughs> we got to make sure it's all even. And I'm like, I, I know it's sort of got to be even, but you're, anyways, <laughs> getting stressed out. <laughs> and she's watching. Yeah, and she's watching. Hi, baby, I love you. <laughs> and, and you're right, and I'm wrong. Every, every husband in here, take note of that. Okay. It'll, happy wife, happy. You know, the, the old saying, and this is absolutely true. If mama ain't happy, ain't. And if daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. Is that you, Micah? Micah Rao is in the house today. Wave at me. Welcome, Rao. Welcome, Micah. I love you. I didn't see you till now. We've been praying for Micah. It, that statement I just made, we laugh at, but... But we do. We make it complicated. 
often those things we get stressed out about, the gifts for the kids, they end up playing with the box. There, there's nobody in here that hasn't experienced that. You get all stressed out about you got to get this whatever for the kid, and then the kid plays with the box, not the toy. Boxes are cheap. Number four, the most important thing at Christmas are not the things, but the people. The most important thing at Christmas are not the things, but the people. My dad told me when one of the hard things for his was him was when the kids grew up and there was no more decorating of the house because the kids weren't there. He told me, he, my dad was not real transparent about his feelings, but he told me, he said, that was hard for me. It, it, there's some of you in this room that this holiday is an especially difficult one because you've had a loved one who's passed away. And so you're looking at Christmas and you're thinking, I'm not even sure I want to celebrate it. So there's all kinds of emotions that get, get attached at this time of the year. And here's where I want to end today. Number five, three things that you could do to make this year your best Christmas ever. Number one, have realistic expectations. This includes, by the way, the reality of a loved one that is no longer there. You've got to face that. You know, there's, it is not healthy to, to somehow ignore the fact. Talk about that person. Talk about the good memories. You say, oh, if I do that, we're going to cry. Crying's good. It's a part of the grieving process. And, and too many people think that, well, yeah, but they've been gone for three years and I shouldn't be crying. No, when you talk about those special memories, you will cry. It's okay really is, let alone when it's been a much shorter time. It's not healthy to just say that, well, life should just be going on as normal, and yeah, they're not here anymore, but let's not talk about that. No, talk about that. Talk about them. You're, you're far healthier, but have realistic expectations. What do I mean by that? As much as I enjoy Hallmark movies with my wife, life is not a Hallmark movie. It's not filled with artificial snow. It, it, it doesn't all conclude within two hours that everybody's happy and wonderful and fell in love. That's not reality. So if you think of Christmas with the thought in mind that it's supposed to be this idealistic, and, and, and if you dare let it come into your mind that well, everybody else is having this amazing, wonderful family time and we're not. No, they're not. No, seriously, they're, they're just like you. I've lived life long enough and I've been a minister long enough to realize that we're all pretty much the same. We, we, we all pretty much have good days and tough days. We, we all go through stresses and anxieties, and that's the way life is. Number two, let go of anything from your past that you cannot change. Now, I'm not talking about the loved ones. I've already dealt with that. I'm talking about those negative things from your past that absolutely ruin your present and mess up your future. I'm talking about those things you can't change. You, you know, some of us, when we come to the conclusion of this year, 2017, we're going to celebrate because it's been a hard year. It's been a tough year for many of us. You say, well, I just want to ignore that. You're not healthy by simply ignoring it. It's like sweeping dirt underneath the rug. Sooner or later, you're going to trip over that dirt because it's still there. See, we cannot 
have this to be our best Christmas ever. If we've got all kinds of clutter and junk, not just in our house, but in our heart and in our head. You say, how do you deal with that? You ask God for help. You say, does he even care about that? He really cares about that. See, God doesn't just want to get you to heaven. He wants that. But he wants a relationship with you. He wants a kind of relationship with you that's not just on Sundays at church, as wonderful as church is. He doesn't want you to just be his son or daughter on Sunday. See, I've learned about my Father in heaven that he helps me with the clutter. Because when you get cluttered up inside, inside your head, inside your heart, you get cynical about life. Life stinks. And you might use far worse words than that. And, and really, it's not life. It's, it's the clutter. It's all the stuff, that, all the people you've not forgiven, all the people that you have grudges against. It's all of the things even that you've not forgiven yourself of. When you look in the mirror, you would love to look in the mirror and see the kind of person that you wanted to be, not the kind of person that you never wanted to become. And see, you can't fool God, and I hope you're not fooling yourself. Finally, for this to be your best Christmas ever, celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. See, I, I, I've got to be honest with you. I, growing up, I could not understand why there was religious programming on TV. It bugged me as a kid. I'd never been to church in my life. The depth of my spirituality, I've told you, was watching Davy and Goliath put out by the Lutheran church. Davy. See, I can talk like a dog. Who was that dog's name? Does anybody remember? I can't tell what people... Goliath? Davy didn't kill him, did he? No. I couldn't understand why there was religious things on TV. Because to me, Christmas was, had nothing to do with God, had nothing to do with the birth of his son. It had everything to do with Santa Claus, had everything to do with Christmas trees and special candies. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And then the next verse, verse 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, so many people and unfortunately, sometimes the church and those who claim to be Christian have so misrepresented God that the world thinks God is against them. That God, God has put like, here, here's where you got to be, and if you're not there, you're going to hell. What about this verse that says, for God, say it with me, so loved. I love that so God didn't just lean over the portals of heaven and blow a kiss. He gave his only begotten son. Of all the ways that God could have brought salvation to you and I, to the world, he chose to do it by a young teenager, a Jewish girl by the name of Mary, who becomes pregnant as a virgin and brings forth a, a child. Here's what, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, 
Isaiah, who's called the prince of the prophets, here's what he said in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. See, God was born as a man. His name is Jesus, and Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He's not a religious leader. Jesus, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never once mentioned religion, never once mentioned setting up this thing called Christianity. Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Jesus didn't even come to just give us heaven. Jesus came to give us a relationship with his Father. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's so clear that Jesus, who loved his Father and was sent by his Father, wanted you and I to know his Father to the point where when he was asked, teach us to pray, the first words are what? Our Father. A couple of chapters later in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You, you say, well, if, if God is this amazing, why is the world so messed up? Because the world hasn't chosen God. The world actually has pushed God away. In, in the same way, there's, there's parents here that you have kids that you love, grown kids that you love, and those kids are living pretty messed up life. And we're not going to blame you as mom and dad because they have their own will. In the same way as created by God, we have our will. I want to close with these verses. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, which means to purchase back those who were under the law, the religious law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, and of course sons and daughters, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. How, how could this be your best Christmas ever? Well, I've given you a few very practical things about stress and anxiety and such. But can I tell you, the greatest thing that you could do is in your hands. That's a great thing. Your best Christmas ever isn't up to somebody else. It's not up to circumstances. It's up to you. You say, what do you mean? Jesus in the scripture says this, Behold, I stand at the door, and it's the door of your heart. And he said, I knock. See, God, some people say, well, if God wants me, he can come and get me. If, if God wants to live in me, it's his choice. No, no, no. He knocks and he waits. You, you and I make the choice to open up the door and invite him in, not to become religious, but to become his son and daughter. Would you bow your heads today? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you, Father, that your tangible love would literally fill this room, as well as those that are watching or listening to this online or in any other way. Friend, I want to ask you, as you close your eyes and bow your head, I would like to ask you today, would you take a spiritual inventory? You say, what do you mean by that? Would you look inside of your heart? Not the organ of the heart, the blood pump, but the real you. If you could picture somehow deep inside of you, there is like a throne, like a chair 
And who's ever seated on that throne is the one who's in charge. See, before I had come to a place where I met God, I was seated on that throne. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. But that night when I recognized that I had sinned against God and that I needed a Savior, I stepped off of that throne in my heart and I invited Jesus Christ to be seated on the throne of my heart. I didn't make a promise that, oh, I'm going to be perfect from this day on. I'm going to be religious from this day on. I made no such promises, never will. But what I did do is I said, I surrender my life to you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm asking you to do that because I don't want anything to interfere with this moment. I don't want anyone looking around or moving. How could this be your best Christmas ever? It will be because you met the God of Christmas. You've met the son who was born, who went on to live a perfect sinless life and then gave his life on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and he rose again and he has ascended to the Father. He's alive, he's real. He's not religion. He's not a good luck charm. He's more alive and real than you and I. And he wants to live inside of you. He wants to give you a brand new life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you today. And I don't want you to look around, but I want, I want to ask right now, how many of you would like me to pray for you because you desire today to ask Jesus Christ to be seated on the throne of your heart, that today... You're saying, I want to step off that throne and I want to ask Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of my heart and be my Savior, my Lord, and my King with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to do that, you want me to pray for you, I want you to slip up your right hand right now. Slip up your right hand all around the room. God bless you. God bless you. All around the room, God bless you in the back. God bless you here, here. All around the room, there are hands up. Keep your hands up for a moment. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to slip your hands down right now. I'm going to ask you all to quietly stand. Would you just quietly stand at this moment? I want you to look at me for a second. In fact, it will be a little bit easier if I slip up here. I want you to look at me. Dozens of you a moment ago slipped up your hand and said, I want to do that. Would you pray for me? And I want to pray for you. But I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask if you slipped your hand up and you really meant it. You meant it deep inside. I remember when I slipped my hand up, it was a battle to do that. But then the minister invited me to come so he could pray with me. And I thought, no. I was very shy, very backward. I thought, I can't do that. I was seated way in the back of a gymnasium in Hartford, Ohio. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. If God gave his son for me and I want to know him, I can do that. And I walked that long aisle. If you slipped your hand up a moment ago, and you would like me to pray for you, I want you to slip out of the aisle that you're in right now, and I want to meet you down front here so I can pray with you. Would you begin to come right now? Would you begin to come right now? Would you begin to come right now? Keep coming. Come on, all around the room. You'll never, ever regret. You'll never, ever regret.
when I just want to play with you. You're not joining the church. Nothing else is going to happen that's weird or strange. I just want to play with you. Would you, right now, before we pray, would you turn to that person next to you? And would you offer to come with them? Sometimes in a big room like this, a person would like to come, but they just, ah, it's a big room. Never have I asked this, that others have not come. So would you turn to the person next to you or around you, and would you offer to come right now? There's already people coming. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. But this is a big deal. This is a life changer. You are seconds away from stepping off the throne of your heart and saying, Jesus. And some of you would say, Lord, I'm not even sure all the, what this means. But I want to give you my heart. Some of you may have walked with the Lord in your life, but you've drifted away. Some of you would say, he wants sat on the throne of my heart, but I sort of drifted away. And I still believe in him, but I'm not sure that you need to come as well. I want to pray for you today. I want you all to look at me for a second. First of all, I want to compliment you on coming forward. I remember at the age of 19 how hard it was for me. If you would have told me on that night that, oh, someday you'll, you'll preach the gospel, that, that, was, that was ridiculous. But here's what happened. I simply came forward like you did. And I prayed a simple prayer where I surrendered my life to God. And he heard my prayer. You say, did you become a perfect person? No, it's been 40 some years. I'm still not a perfect person, but I am a son of my Father in heaven. And see, when you give God a chance, he does a miracle. He really does. And, and so it's not just praying this prayer with me that is the miracle. Praying the prayer is important, but you can just utter words. What's most important is that inside of you, as you pray this prayer, you, you really do step off that throne. And you really do say, Jesus, I want you. I want to know you. I want to know you. He'll forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed, no matter what it is, because his death on the cross paid the price. So I'm going to ask not only those of you that are up front, but all over this room, because there were some of you that wanted to come but just couldn't quite step over that line, but you want Jesus. So I'd like to ask everybody to bow their head. And would you place your hand on your heart right now all around this room? Would you place your hand on your heart? Would you pray this prayer with me from the deepest part of your being? Pray it out loud. Don't just whisper it. Don't just mutter it. Pray it out loud. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed. I am sorry that I've sinned against you, that I have messed up. But I ask you today to forgive me and to change me. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And at this very moment, I step off the throne of my heart and I ask you, Lord Jesus, be seated on the throne of my heart. I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, my King. I give you my entire life, my past, my present, 
my present and my future. I thank you for hearing my prayer. And I now believe in my heart. And I will confess with my mouth that as of this day, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, I'm asking you to do an absolute miracle right now in every heart, in every life. Jesus, live. Jesus, live inside of each and every person today who has come and simply said yes to you. Simply said yes to you. I want you to look at me for a second. Go ahead and look up. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. This is real. This is not just religious stuff. In the same way, I've done a couple hundred weddings. And, and by the end of that wedding, because all I've done is I've said, do you take this person? Yes. Do you take that person? Yes. By the end of that wedding, I'm able to say as a minister of the gospel, you're married. Not sort of married, kind of married. You're really married. I can tell you this. When Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, here's the rest of the verse. He said, if you will hear my voice and open up the door and invite me in, he said, I will live inside of you. He didn't say I might. He said, I will live inside of you and fellowship with you. In other words, he comes to stay. He doesn't come to visit. There's some people you just want them to visit. Jesus, you want him to visit and to stay. Now, there's, there's some material we want to place into your hands. And those of you that have this material, just bring it up front so that you can place it. This, this is something called the road. It's a CD and a DVD where I'm speaking to you. Because if I could, I would like to sit down with every one of you for several minutes and talk about what you've just done. But I, I can't. But here's what can happen. What can happen is that you can take that and there's a CD that if your car has a CD player, you can put it in on the way home. And it'll be me. And I'll be talking to you about what you just did. If you have a, you know, a DVD player at home, a laptop, a computer, a TV, you'll see this illustrious face. But I'll be talking to you about how can you now do this right? Because when I became a Christian at the age of 19, I had no idea what, what now, what do I do? How do I not mess this up? And I left that night and didn't get any material and it was my fault, not theirs, it was my fault. I was in too much of a hurry. Don't be in so much of a hurry. Is there anybody up front here Come on up, up front, if you would, and just make sure everyone, and if you didn't come forward, but you need this material, it's free of charge, there's no strings attached, come and get this material as we close. Friends, the Bible says, when even one person gives her heart to the Lord, all the angels in heaven rejoice. I think we need to do a bit of rejoicing right now. Amen. Some of you, some of you are new to the church. I can tell you this, the majority of people that are standing up here, I do not know them. They're not like, they're not like, you know, church members that just came forward. The majority of people that are up front here, I'm seeing many of them for the very, very first time. And so make sure you get that material. And if you don't have a home church, we like to say, welcome home. Really, that's what we like to say, welcome home. Okay? And uh, 
and I just embrace and hug each and every one of you. And we do something as we're, if you need to talk to somebody or pray with somebody or any of you that are here today, you say, oh, if I leave today and somebody doesn't pray with me, I, I need to talk to somebody. I'm going to ask that all of our prayer team, would you come up right now? Uh, would you come up? You know who you are and make yourself available. So as we dismiss right now, if you need prayer, you need to talk to somebody. These are trained, wonderful people who can be here for you and help you. And, and we like to speak a blessing over you before we go today. This has been a wonderful day. Just the presence of God is tangible. And so would you keep your eyes open? I want to speak a blessing over you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, as we close this meeting today, may this be your best Christmas ever. May you forgive others. May you let go of things that have been holding you back. In fact, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the Word of God, I break off of your life every lie of the enemy, everything and anything that the enemy is trying to hold you captive. I break it off of you in Jesus' name. May you let it go. And may you be able to leave this service today with your head up high, your shoulders back, knowing that there's a God in heaven who loves you, cares about you. And would you speak to him this week? Would you fellowship with him this week? And those of you that have come today and given your hearts to the Lord, may the Lord do the deepest work that he has ever done in your life, that you are literally changed. You are born again. Now may the Lord bless and keep and watch over you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, can we give the Lord praise? Amen. Can you make sure everyone up front here feels welcome? Get some hugs in.